Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I hope that you have an amen with you. You brought an amen in your life today. I want to teach you about making godly decisions today. I want to teach you about deciding. How many of you have decision fatigue? How many of you struggle with making decisions? Let me see all the hands. I do. I struggle with it in every area of my life. I struggle with it especially on the cereal aisle. I struggle with it especially uh, when I have good options and I don't know what to do. Here's the truth of the matter. The decisions you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. The decisions you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. You can't get to tomorrow and think, man, I wish I would have, and man, I wish I would, man, I wish this wasn't the kind of life that I have, the marriage that I have, the job that I have, the kids, the relationships, the career. I wish things were so different. And then you don't, you don't connect the dots and accept responsibility that I made decisions yesterday that brought me to where I am today. Say amen to that. The decisions you make first end up making you in the end. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. You are in the place that you are because of the decisions that you made. Now here's the struggle with that is that I want to make a good decision. Say amen to that. I want to know how to I want to know how to decide. I want to know how to make good decisions. In preparing for this message uh, we are the first generation that has dealt with this decision fatigue. And the reason is because we have so many options. We've never had this many options before in human history. The other day, uh, my son, I have an eight-year-old little boy. And he asked me the other day, he said, Daddy, back in the 1900s when you were born, um, were, this is exactly how he says it, in the 1900s when you were born, did y'all have remote controls or did you have to go to the TV and turn it? When he got up off the floor, I reminded him, I'm not that old, everybody. Come on. I'm not, I'm not as old as you think. I know 1900 sounds a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. But we didn't have all the options we currently have. We didn't have all the channels we currently have. We didn't have all of the options that are in front of us. And it's, it's really difficult because we didn't know what we didn't know. Anybody over 30 years old know what I'm talking about. We didn't know what we didn't know. You ever looked back at your baby pictures or your kids like as a, as a child and realized you were poor and you didn't know you were poor till somebody, you know what I mean? You ever look back and go, oh my gosh, we weren't doing good. You know, things were, <laughs> things were not, mama, things were not good. Did you purposefully dress me this way or is this the only thing we could afford or what was going on right now? But we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know there was a perfect way to vacation. We didn't know there was a perfect meal. We didn't know... That other people had it differently than you have it. We live in the first generation with social media that gives you the option to see how everybody else has it better than you. You're going on vacation to Port A. They're going to Greece. Look into my eyes. Port Aransas is not Greece. Are you with me, everybody? And there was a time when you thought, man, at least we get to go to Rockport. I love this that we get to go on vacation until you knew there was another option. And then suddenly your option isn't good enough. 
And you struggle with decisions and what am I supposed to do? And we have this illusion of perfection. I can't get married because I got to have the perfect spouse. I can't be in this relationship. I got to have the perfect relationship. I I don't want to buy this house because I got to have the perfect house. I got to have the perfect body. We got to make sure we do it all right. And believers, we go a step further. We add spirituality on top of this decision making process. And we use phrases like this, I just want it to be God's perfect will. Now listen to me, I mean, let me help you with some bad theology you may have. God's perfect will, that sentence, is not in this book. As a matter of fact, there is no such thing as God's perfect will, because if there was, there would be the illusion that God could do something imperfect. Everything God does is perfect, say amen to that. There's only God's will and my will. My will's not good. God's will is right. It is good. And there's no gray area in all of that. But we get afraid to make a mistake as a believer. We get afraid to make a decision. Afraid to move our life forward. Because we need God's perfect will. Want to make sure I don't mess it up. Want to make sure I get it all right. Want to make sure God just show me exactly what to do. You ever prayed that way? You ever said, God, I need you to tell me, exa- like write it in the sky, in a cloud formation, God. And, and then you look in the sky and all you see, well, that's a donkey. That ain't it. I can't believe that's it. God, show me some way. God, let me pass a billboard. God, let me spin around three times and point to some place in my Bible and see if that's the way that it is. God, I just want to know exactly what to do. And if here's what we tell ourselves. Listen. If it's God's will, it'll be easy. We tell ourselves, if it's God's will, it'll go smoothly. If it's God's will, it'll be all green lights all the way through, never a problem, nothing ever happens bad. Listen to me, this book is filled with people who were in the will of God and still struggled in their lives, still had problems in their life. Jesus fulfilled the will of the Father on the cross. It wasn't the easy way, but it was God's way. Say amen to that, everybody. Jonah fulfilled the will of God in his life going to Nineveh. It wasn't the easy way, but it was God's way. And we struggle with knowing, am I going the right way? Am I doing the right thing? And I want to help you. I'm going to give you a framework today to make godly decisions. It's often that we look at people in the Bible and think, man, They made decisions because they had something special. Like it was easy for the Apostle Paul. I mean, here this guy is. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He hears from God daily. God must give him extreme clarity. Surely he knows what to do. Let me show it to you in God's Word that that's not exactly how Paul lived his life. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is where we'll be for a little while. 1 Corinthians 16, let me, while you're flipping there, let me give you some history. 1 Corinthians, the, both books of Corinthians are written to the church at Corinth that has issues. Bad issues. As a matter of fact, they're just wild. I mean, this, this church, of all the letters Paul writes, he corrects in Corinthians more than he does in any other time. I'll pause here and say, I would rather pull you back like the Corinthian church than I would have to light a fire under you. Come on, everybody. So... Anyway, so Corinthians is wild, and it's it, you know, this church in Corinth, and 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 then Paul inadvertently, when he's just giving some final instructions, this is the final chapter in this letter, 
He's just giving some final salutations, but he inadvertently gives us a picture into his decision making. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 16 and 6. The Bible, the first word is what? Maybe you can't read. There's only two of you. The first word in, in 1 Corinthians 16 and 6 is what? Perhaps. Now, wait a minute. I was hoping for surely. I was hoping for exactly. But Paul starts with, perhaps I'll stay with you for how long? A while. This is what you don't want to hear from your in-laws, by the way. <laughs> this is first. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while. How long exactly is a while for you? Or even I'll spend the winter so you can help me on my journey. What's the next line? Wait a minute. I thought you knew where you were headed next, Paul. You mean to tell me you don't know how long you're staying here and you don't know where you're going after here? Wherever I go. Verse 7. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. Here's the next line. But what? I what? I hope. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits me to spend some time with you. Now, just these verses are filled with insecurity of the decision. I'm not sure how long I'll be here. I don't know where God wants me next. Maybe I'll stay this long. It's possible. This is what I'd do next. Verse 8, but I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because when I got here, a great door of effective work opened to me. I didn't expect to stay in Ephesus this long, but God opened a door. And so here I am. And there are a lot of people who oppose me here. Now listen, look into my eyes. Was Paul in God's will? Was it easy? Was it clear? No. Did he have all the roadmap? No. Where's all my planners at? Where are you at that makes a plan? You're probably, keep your hands up. I guarantee you're married to somebody that wouldn't know a calendar if God himself put it in their lap. They just, that time is relative to them. You know what I mean? I'll be at church around 11-ish. At church starts on Sunday at some point in the morning, you know. But I'm a planner. I want to know when. God, I want to know how you're going to work this out. I want to know all the details. I want to know the exact plan. I want you to show me when to leave, when to show up. And Paul doesn't use any certain language. He just trusts God to direct his life. Say amen to that. I want to teach you today how to find wisdom to decide. If you're writing in your notes the title of today's message, I want to teach you how to find wisdom to make a good decision, how to find wisdom to decide. In the Old Testament, the King Solomon, he's crowned the king of Israel, and the offering that's required from the Lord when you crown a new king was one bull. He was only required to offer one bull as a sacrifice to God when he was crowned king. I don't have time to teach it to you, but Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings, 1,000 burnt offerings. And because of his generosity, God shows up to him in a dream and says, I'll give you whatever you ask for. Let me pause here and tell you, generosity opens the door for blessing in your life. If you're wanting to know how do I unlock the blessing of God in my life, it's not doing the bare minimum. It's living an open-handed, generous life, by the way. And, and Solomon has this generous offering he, he gives to God 
And it opens the door. And so God shows up and says, I'll give you whatever you ask. What can I do for you? And Solomon did not ask for the stuff you think we'd ask for. Solomon could have asked for more money. He didn't. He could have asked for a long life. He didn't. Part of that's because he had 600 wives and 300 concubines. Come on, everybody. He had 900 women in his life. Brother was tired all the time. Are you all with me on this? He didn't ask for any of that. He didn't ask for all of his enemies to die. Solomon asked for one thing. What's the one thing Solomon asked God for? Wisdom. Wisdom. The wisest man to ever walk the earth. God answers his prayer and gives him wisdom. But listen, when you ask for wisdom, it's the key that unlocks the door to all the other stuff. Let me say it like this. Solomon got more than he asked for because he asked for the right thing in the beginning. God will give you more than you bargain for if you'll learn to make wise decisions. I want to teach you how to make wise decisions. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. I love that. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And wherever else you do, whatever else you do in your life, develop a, a sense of good judgment. Develop us. Hey, you want a prayer to pray over your children, whatever age they are? Pray this prayer, Proverbs 4 and 7, that get wisdom because it's the wisest thing you can do. Dad, what college do I go to? I don't know. We need wisdom for this. Do I marry him or her? I don't know. We need wisdom for this. Whatever else you do in your life, develop the ability to get wisdom from the Lord. Say amen to that. All right, I'm going to give you three ways to get wisdom. I'm teaching you these three ways today, and I'm going to let you out of here soon so y'all can go out there and sunbathe like a bunch of lizards in this 200-degree heat. Because <laughs> I know it's summertime and summer's on your mind. Here's the first one. Take good notes. you got to learn how to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Brandon and I recently uh, moved in our new neighborhood. Our old neighborhood was it's a it was kind of a closed neighborhood, and anyway, there wasn't a, a lot of uh, people there out, a lot of kids, but it wasn't people that did. We we would walk the neighborhood, but not a lot. But there are people in our new neighborhood, lots of people who walk for fun outside, outside walking, and they they're not going somewhere; they're just walking. A lot of them. And over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've noticed that there's, there's a few of them. Listen, there's a few of them who walk at the same time every day. Now, you may not know this. I'm giving you some wisdom here. This is gold I'm preaching to you right now. But it's actually cooler in the morning here. It's only 110, 111 in the morning here. But there are certain couples in our neighborhood, true story, we see them every day that walk around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon when it's somewhere around 213 degrees where we live. We live right at the gates of hell. You know that, right, everybody? Okay. So they walk in the afternoon, and there have been days when I thought to myself, the only thing that stopped me is the Holy Ghost and my wife. I want to pull over and go, hey, maybe you don't know this. 
But a few hours earlier today, it was cooler than it is right now. And maybe you don't know that if you'll walk earlier in the morning, it's a little cooler. But they're walking and they walk together. There's a bunch of them. There's two or three couples and they just end up walking in the afternoon all together. Listen to me. It matters who you walk with. It matters who you walk with. You're going to have to learn. Look at me. You're going to have to learn how to walk in Wisdom. You say, well, pastor, I don't know how to, I I just want to get wisdom before I go. Listen, you may not have all the wisdom you need before you go. You got to learn how to get wisdom on the walk. You got to learn how to get, I I can't afford if I was your pastor and and, and I just said, you know what, guys, I'm going to take six months and I'm not going to preach anything. I'm not going to show up to church. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read my Bible. I just need to hear from God for the next six months. You know what you would say? I'm looking for another church. That brother can't do all this. I don't have a chance to do that. Here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that every six days there's another Sunday. Have y'all noticed? Is this true where you live? Every six days there's another Sunday for me. Which means I have got to get wisdom for the future while I'm walking in my current responsibility. Are you there everybody? You're going to learn you're going to have to learn how to get some wisdom on the walk. While you're moving towards a new career, you need wisdom for it. While you're married, You need wisdom. Come on, everybody. We've been married 23 years. I need wisdom for another 23. Are y'all with me on this? I I don't have time to go, you know what, Brandy? Let's time out for a year. Let's get our lives together. Then we'll come back together and hopefully. Let's... I don't want to be offensive, but I counseled a couple one time. and said, Pastor, we're going to separate to work on us. It's too late to work on y'all. You got married. You need to work together on y'all. You got to get wisdom while you walk. You don't get to take a break from parenting. I wish I could. I have a preteen right now. I wish sometimes I could push pause and go, you know what? I ain't going to just say, I'm going to need you not to go through puberty till I figure this out. But this doesn't happen. You got to get wisdom while you walk. I got to get wisdom while I lead. Well, how do you walk in wisdom? I'm glad you asked the question. Proverbs 13 and 20. Proverbs 13 and 20. The Bible says it like this. If you'll learn how to do what? If you learn to walk with the wise. If you teach your child one verse to memorize out of God's word, this is the verse I would teach them. I'm telling you, listen to me. The second greatest, the first greatest thing you can do is teach them to love Jesus. The second greatest thing you can teach your child of all the things in all of the world is this verse. That if you'll walk with the wise, you will become wise. If you walk with the wise... You will become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. If you'll learn how to get the right people around you, you can get wisdom on the walk. If you'll learn to get the the right people around you, you'll get wisdom on the walk towards whatever it is. Whatever you want in your life, you'll get wisdom on the way 
there. But if you don't, there's a companion of fools waiting on you. Now listen, I preach out of the King James is what I have open in front of me. I study out of the New International Version. But in my head, there's an Eastern Arkansas version that keeps going around. Are y'all with me on this right here? Let me tell you what the Bible means by companion of fools. In my head, it's a pickup truck with the one seat, not the two seats, the one big long bench seat. Are y'all with me on this? And there are three brothers in that front seat, three dudes in that front seat. And a companion of fools hears the conversation. You ready? One of them looks at the other and says, hey, watch this. <laughs> and whatever comes after watch this, companion of fools. You got to learn how to get the right people. Write this in your notes like this. It's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It is almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. You say, I'm 54 years old. It doesn't matter. It's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. You say, I'm in my 40s. This is, I got who I got. Well, you mean to get some new ones. You may need to have what I like to refer to as a friendectomy. Do you know what a friendectomy is? It's a surgery where you cut out friends in your life. I don't need you anymore in my life. This is not wise for me to be walking with you. I counseled a guy one time, said, Pastor, I'm trying to quit partying. I said, that's a worthwhile cause. I'm trying to quit drinking every night till I pass out. I said, that's a worthwhile cause. I didn't ask him what he drank. I didn't ask him how long he partied. I didn't ask him where it all started. I asked him one simple question. Who do you party with? Well... It's my buddies. Well, it's, it's this group. I said, okay, well, tell me about the, the, the group that you're around. Uh, are, are any of them in church? Do any of them serve the Lord? Well, no. Okay. Uh, do, do any of them, when you go party, are any of them not drink? Or is anybody the voice of reason that says, hey, guys, this is enough. We're done. This, we're out. I'm done right here. No, we just kind of egg each other on. I said, is there anybody in your friend group who says, I'm not going. Y'all keep doing that. I'm not going. None. I said, buddy, you don't have a drinking problem. You don't have a partying problem. You have a friend problem. You got the wrong group. Because if you're going to be with a companion of fools, there's harm on the way. Are you still there, everybody? I'm just teaching you how to get wisdom in your life. If you want to be healthy, listen, you need to hang around healthy people. If you want healthy marriage, you got to find you a couple and get matter of fact, I have couples in our church that are marriage mentors. When you, when a young couple gets married, we try to partner them up with another couple that's been married for a long time and doing it pretty good. They even like each other, sleep in the same bedroom, all kinds of stuff like that, and we put them together. Why? Cuz I want you to I want you to walk with the wise. If you're broke, look at me. Don't keep hanging around other broke people. You need to find somebody who's blessed, an entrepreneur, a business owner. Say, tell me what to do. you got to learn how to walk with the wise. Say amen to that. You can't just come to church one hour a week and think, well, this is good enough. I fist bumped some people. I high-fived. I laughed a little. I raised my hands. Now I'm wise. No, you need a small group. It's why tonight is so important. It's why you got to be there at 5 o'clock wherever you live. Find you a neighborhood house party. Not because of the food. That's enough, by the way. But not because of the food. You need it because you need wise people in your need brothers and sisters who are around you, who've walked where you walk, can encourage you when you need it. 
register tonight. Listen, if you don't have any other reason, look into my eyes. If you don't have any other reasons to be in a neighborhood house party tonight, I'm going to give you the big one. We have free child care. Come on, everybody. That's enough. Just drop them little jokers off, kick them out of the car, and get yourself some. That's wisdom you didn't even have to pay for. Number two, I got to hurry. Number two, you got to walk in the wise. Number two, you got to ask for wisdom. I know that sounds simple, but you got to ask for it. The secret to Solomon's wealth was not his ability to get wealth. It was his ability to ask for the right thing. He asked for wisdom and God gave him wealth. You got to ask for wisdom. People ask me sometimes, Pastor, what's your favorite verse? It changes through the seasons of my life. But for the last 10 or so years, this has been it. As I prepared to plant a church, as I moved to, uh, uh, from a, a staff role on a, a church to uh, being a church planner and a senior pastor, this is my favorite verse I'm currently in. It's been that way for about 10 years. James 1 and 5 says, I pray this prayer every day of my life. I woke up this morning and prayed James 1 and 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, what should you do? Ask God. You should ask God. And God gives generously, I love this, without finding fault. Do you know what that means? That means God's not going to look at you and go, you dummy. I can't believe you're asking for this. I can't believe you're here again. I can't believe you haven't learned that already. I can't believe you're still a mess up. No, no, no. That's not what God does. If you need wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously. And what will happen? It will be. I've just decided to stand on that promise. That I need wisdom to be your pastor. I need wisdom to be a good leader. I need wisdom to be a good father. I need wisdom to be a good husband. And if you lack wisdom, you got to ask God. And God will give it to you. You just got to ask. Hey, before you... But listen, before you speak, before you have that conversation... Before you approach your husband, your wife, that relationship, that business owner, before you do, just ask, God, I need wisdom right now. By the way, all the married couples, not a married uh, message, but that'll help you sleep in the same bed most nights. If you'll just stop and ask for wisdom before you open your mouth. Say amen to that, everybody. I need wisdom. Before you post it, just ask. God, I need wisdom here. Before you commit to that relationship, just ask. It's amazing to me. I've been doing this several decades. It's amazing that we have premarital counseling. Look at me. I love you. I love you so much. I got to tell you the truth. I don't know that I believe in premarital counseling. Let me tell you what I would prefer as your pastor. You need pre-engagement counseling. Before you go buy a ring and a dress, you need to ask God for wisdom in your life. Is this the right person? Is this the right? This is my life partner. Am I making the right decision? Say amen to that, everybody. Before you move, ask for wisdom. Before you change churches, ask for wisdom. Before you change jobs, ask for wisdom. Before you share gossip, ask for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom and God will give it to you. Say amen to that. Come play so I can close and land the plane. My wife, Brandy, my wife taught both of our children how to ride a bike. Because I don't have patience. And my wife does, and she's wonderful with our children. She taught our girl, who's the oldest, 
sooner than my son. My son took another year or so before he learned uh, to ride a bike without training wheels. And I remember her in the cul-de-sac of the neighborhood we lived in. I remember her outside with my son. And he's on the bike uh, ready to go because he's a boy and he's ready to go. And I don't need anything and I'm ready to go. But she would, she would hold on to the bottom of the seat and walk with him. And she's guiding him as he goes. Now listen, he's riding the bike. She's guiding. He's making the step. He's moving his legs. He's shaped like his daddy, so his legs are about this long. He's giving all he's got. His mom's guiding him. Not long after, I'm talking about a day, two days later. He's riding his bike, popping wheelies. Look, Dad, no hands. But it comes from guidance. Psalms 32 and 8 says it like this. The Lord says, I will guide you. I'll guide you along the best pathway of your life. How would you like to have the Lord as your personal advisor? I'll advise you. I'll watch over you. You just have to ask Here's the last thing, maybe the hardest. You just got to (laughs) decide. You say, Pastor, this is deep. I know. You just got to decide. This is the hard part. You just got to say yes. You just got to move in the right direction. You just got to do what God's called you to do. You just got to make the decision. The great prophet of old, Mr. Miyagi, The original Karate Kid. Can we pause here and say, that's the best Karate Kid, everybody. The original Karate Kid. All right. I've been preaching 40 minutes. Y'all hadn't clapped one time. I bring up Karate Kid and I get claps out of the crowd. Mr. Miyagi, I'm going to try to do it without the accent. Don't be offended. This is a quote. Danielson, must talk. I love that. Listen. Walk on road. Walk on right side, safe. Walk on left side, safe. Walk in middle, sooner or later, get squished like a grape. (laughs) I love it. Sooner or later, you're just going to have to decide. Sooner or later, you're just going to have to go, this is the way we're going. Where where God doesn't give you commands, you're just going to have to decide. I told you, Brandon and I recently moved into a new house and the other day we were talking about, I just can't make any more decisions. Whatever you want's fine. Whatever color this is, whatever we buy, whatever we do. I don't, we had a little remodel in it. At some point you just go, it doesn't matter. This is good. I like this. Whatever you say. We had decision fatigue. We had made so many decisions. It's just hard to, I don't want to decide anything. But sometimes in your life, listen, God loves you enough. You're walking with the right people. You ask God for wisdom, and then you get up on Monday morning, and you decide. You just do it. You just move. I I know if if you're Paul, you're thinking, man, God said this to me. I, I wish I could be spiritual, and I could say really spiritual things, and talk in King James English, like, the Lord spoketh this, thou untoest me. But all Paul said is this, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1. So... I love this. First Thessalonians 3 and 1. So 
when we could stand it no longer, we just thought it best to be left by ourselves. I love that. Paul said, listen, I've gotten close to God. i got godly people around me. And then I just did what I thought was best. And Sometimes that's what you're going to have to do to make a decision to follow the Lord. I'm just going to do what I think is best. I'm just going to keep walking. God's with me. Well, what if I get it wrong? Well, you're going to gain wisdom from getting it wrong. You may have to go to school for an extra semester or so. You, you may get an extra bill in the mail. You may have an extra kid. Come on, somebody. But you're going to get it. It's going to be okay. You're going to get wisdom. You're not, listen to me, look at me. You're not going to miss the perfect. You're going to make a wise decision. God's going to be with you. Here's the last thing I'll tell you, then we'll pray. God's hand's not on your wear. God's hand's on you. God's hand is, this is liberating when you catch this theologically. God's hand is not on a place. God's hand's on a person. God's hand is not on a place. God's hand is on a person. God does everything He does in the world through people, through you. God's hand's not on the job that you're on. God's hand's on you, and you bring the presence of God to that job. God's hand's not on that school or that school. God's hand's on you, and wherever you go, that's where the plan of God goes. God's hand's not on this city or that city. God's hand's on you, and wherever you live, that's the plan of God. God's hand's on you, not this house or that house. No, God's hand's on me. Whichever house we move in, I bring the blessing with me. God's hand's on you. So get up tomorrow. Walk with the wise. I'll see you at 5 o'clock tonight at a house party. Ask God for wisdom. And then just move forward. Bow your heads and pray. If you're in a decision point right now, come on quickly. Don't make me ask a second time. If you're in a decision point and you need God to move in your life, would you just raise your hand and say, this is me. Include me in this final prayer. I need wisdom for this decision. Keep your hand raised. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for people who are in a decision in their life, trying to make the right decision. I pray you'd bring godly people around them. I pray you'd bring the right people into their path. I pray the right conversation, the right godly counsel, there's the right person at the right time that they're walking with the wise. And as they walk, give them wisdom. As they move forward, let wisdom show up in their life. God, we ask you for wisdom. Come on, I can't ask for you, you ask. God, James 1 and 5 says, if I need wisdom, I could ask God for it and you would give it to me generously. So I ask for wisdom in this business, on my job, with this decision, with this relationship, in our marriage, with my children. I'm asking for wisdom right now. Wisdom. And God, if you'll give me supernatural wisdom, I will decide. I'll move forward. I'll do everything I can to keep walking towards God with the right people. And God, your hand's going to be on me. I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord, everybody, over your heart today? Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.